The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Well, I want to welcome everyone to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. I'm your host, Minister Marcus Taylor, and as always for me, it is my honor. It is a privilege for me, I should say, to come before God's people sharing in the word of the Lord. Amen. I pray everyone is blessed and that you're continued to be safe. Uh, once again, we're here to talk about the word of the Lord. Amen. Um, on tonight, I have a, another great topic, I believe, that will help the body of Christ. Uh, one of the topics that have been, I won't say has been overlooked, but it's not talked about a lot. Um, it may be mentioned in some sermons across some pulpits, but um, I don't think a lot of people want to actually teach on the topic that I have for tonight. And without further ado, that topic is talking about sacrifice. Uh, this is one of the primary um, behaviors, or I should say acts, that a believer in God uh, should exemplify. Uh, you must be able to sacrifice something, amen, because when you look at the big scheme of things, and we'll go through this in this lesson, um, look at what was done for you. Look at what was sacrificed on your behalf. So it should be nothing for us to uh, return the favor. Because when it's all said and done, there's nothing that we could ever do to repay God for what he did um, by sacrificing his only begotten son for us. Amen. So um, I don't want to prolong the time. I'm going to go ahead and breathe a word of prayer and we're going to get into this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us, Lord. Lead us not unto any temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, so tonight we're going to be talking about sacrifice. Amen. So um, I do have a few scriptures that I would like for you to uh, be um, cognizant of that you would need to write down if you choose to study this lesson for yourself, which I pray that you do. Um, it's always good to have your Bible so you can see that. Whatever Minister Marcus is giving you, uh, you can back it up in Scripture, amen? And I think that's the way that it should be done across all boards, all pulpits, uh, no matter where you are. If you're a minister or a pastor preaching the Word of God, there should be no um, abundance of your opinion. You should be giving the people what the Word of the Lord is saying. Um, this is something that I've started even in the beginning stages of my ministry, I made it up in my mind. I didn't want to give my opinion because that's what I was hearing. Way too many pastors, way too many teachers telling the people what they thought as opposed to the, to the only voice that even really makes any difference is the voice of God. And it's coming from his word. So, again, I said all that to say that I want you all to realize that I want to give you the word of God, not based off of what I think it is. I want to give you the word based off of what the Bible says and reads. So um, let's go ahead and get into this study. And I pray that it's going to be a blessing to you. All right. So um, again, tonight I want to uh, start with a foundational passage. And the passage I'm going to start with, and I have many that I could have, but I think I wanted to choose this one. I want to start at Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Uh, I think it's one of those uh, foundational passages that I could use. There are many, 
like I said before, that I had been studying, but um, I didn't want to repeat myself. So I chose this one, amen. And the word the Lord reads, But God commanded his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, that's the point. The sacrifice that God gave to us, how can we not do the same for him, amen? Now, you have to realize, family, that there are many foundational truths that each of us have been taught, I'm quite sure. Uh, we've been taught teachings on salvation, teachings on faith, teachings on baptism, and many other doctrines, amen? Now, those mentioned are very important to the spiritual growth of every believer. But there are some biblical topics that, for a lack of a better word, will define our relationship with the believer with God. Now, tonight, with the time that I have, I want to briefly discuss this essential teaching, teaching talking about sacrifice. Amen. Now, sure, we've been made familiar with the word sacrifice through sermons and Sunday school lessons and even in some cases in movies. But on tonight, I want to first take us back to the Old Covenant and its person, its purpose, and then we can kind of get a better understanding of what sacrifice is. Amen. Now, to better understand what we're dealing with, I want to give you a definition of what the word sacrifice means. Amen. It is a willful surrender of something on behalf of another person. I'll say it again. Sacrifice is a willful surrender of something on behalf of another person. Amen. All right. Now, in each of these, in, in, in this definition, we understand that sacrifice, and when you're dealing with sacrifice, there must be something that's given up. Or as I said in the definition, a willful surrender on the part of the person that's doing the sacrificing. Amen which points us to what it meant in the Old Testament to sacrifice. Now, as we have read the Old Testament, I'm sure most of you have, and if you haven't, you probably read parts of it, amen. We see the word sacrifice being instituted by God as a means of effecting man's atonement. Now, just in case some of you don't understand what that word atonement means, I've taken the liberty of defining it what it means as well atonement means it is an annual ceremony for the remissions of a person's sin atonement is a annual ceremony that was in the old testament for the remission of a person's sin now we find in the book of leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11 these words for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul amen now we also find another example in scripture in the book of first John chapter 2 and we'll pick it up at verse 2 and he is the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world amen 
Family, it is important for every one of us to know that our sanctification came only because of the sacrifice made by God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, God's system of sacrifice, although some thought it to be ineffective, which I don't know why, as it relates to the Old Testament, realized that it was an extension to what he was going to put in place, or I should say what God is going to carry out through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I want to now briefly deal with the sacrificing of animals. Because this is how God set it up in the beginning. He sacrificed animals at first. Um, so we'll, we'll get into this. See, God used animals as a means of sacrifice to atone for the sins of man at that particular time. In the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21, I'm not going to read it, but it does record the first death in scripture. God then made man, Adam and Eve, clothes with animal skin. Now, God clothing Adam and Eve was a demonstration family of the nature of their sin. See, it was more than just God saying or having compassion on them to make them clothe the covering because they realized that they were naked. It's a deeper meaning here. God clothing Adam and Eve was a demonstration of the nature of their sin. Because they sinned, they had to be covered. This covering is a spirit, in a spiritual sense was accomplished by the shedding of blood. And that blood that was shed was shed because of an animal or, or they he used an animal. Now, this shedding of a blood is a metaphor or a figure of speech for the spiritual death and more importantly, get this, a foreshadowing of things to come. Just look at it. God used an animal for the atonement of man's sin. But if you look back in the Old Testament of how God set it up, that animal had to be a certain way. Amen. So let's go into this to how God instituted this whole uh, process of sacrifice. Okay. Now, in the book of Leviticus, the Lord gives a detailed list of instructions to Moses about how to conduct various kinds of sacrifices. And there were. There were different um, types and means of sacrifice. Let me give you some examples. They had, he had a burnt offering. He had a grain offering. He had a guilt offering. And of course, a sin offering. Now, without going into much detail, each specific sacrifice had to be done a certain way. In order for God to accept that particular offering or sacrifice. Now here's a quick example. If the offering or sacrifice was a burnt offering. Let's just use that one. The animal that was used. First of all had to be a male animal. But it also had to be without spot or wrinkle. Kind of see where I'm going here. The perfect sacrifice was well, perfect back then as it possibly could be. And I'm not going to go ahead and tell you and give you the, the ending of the story. You kind of know where I'm going by that. But yeah, the animal had to be a male. So yeah, we know who was the one who was a male. And it had to be a spotless sacrifice, meaning without any blemishes, 
or you can use it metaphorically as Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He committed no sin. Okay, so you now you see where God was going with this. And he even had this set up before time itself. So he knew what he wanted to do. We just needed to catch up and figure out how God was setting things up. So now, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 9. And I want to look at verse number 2. Now, the Bible says, And he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a calf, a bull for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering, both without defect, and offer them before the Lord. You see, God is a God of order, and he doesn't do anything raggedy or haphazardly. We can look at everything that God orchestrates. Look at it intently and closely, and you'll see that God did it in such a way that it was orderly and it was done right. Now, for us, some of us who are believers, we don't do things always orderly or correctly. But then again, that's where God's grace and his mercy comes in. Amen. All right. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to this particular verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 33. 1 Corinthians 14. And I want to I want to pick it up with verse 33. And it reads, I'm reading this particular verse from the uh, New Living Translation. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. And of course, the King James Version reads, "God is For God is not a, the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Amen. Now, although we sometimes cannot see the whole vision of God's purpose for each of us, and you know this is true. There is one plan that even a child can understand, and that being the love of God for his people, seeing that he, talking about God, personally sacrificed his only son, and that we know that because he sacrificed his only son, that showed his ultimate, his ultimate purpose of love. Amen. Now, in John 3, 16 and 17, I'm quite sure you've all memorized those scriptures, but I'm going to. Reading for those who may not have, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave, or he sacrificed his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, I want to go back. At the end of that, I've got to explain something to you about the term world. That word term in the Greek is actually the cosmos. It's talking about the cosmos. And which you can even break that down even more. It's talking about all of God's creation. So I don't want anybody to get a misunderstanding of what that word world means. We, we see that word, but we, our minds only go to one connotation in that. And it's not what... The Bible actually intended in the original text. It's talking about the cosmos or as again, as I broke it down even more, all of God's creation. Amen. That everyone through him might be saved. Amen. All right. Now, 
when dealing with the word sacrifice, it must be understood that when you offer a sacrifice, something, especially as it relates to God, your offering or sacrificial gift should cost you something. I'll say it again. When you're offering your sacrifice or you're giving God something, in this case, we're talking about a sacrifice, it should cost you something. You shouldn't just throw God anything and expect him to accept it. Amen. Now, earlier in this study, um, I gave some definition of what a sacrifice means. But now I want to give you an example of sacrifice. Amen. So how many of you have heard or would have known about the story of Cain and Abel? Of course, you can't answer me, but I'm asking that question because I'm quite sure all of you have. We know the story of Cain and Abel. I'm going to turn there so that we can have a better understanding of what actually happened. So get your Bibles and meet me in the book of Genesis chapter 4. And I want to pick it up at verse number 3. Genesis 4, picking it up at verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. Now, I want you to understand and listen to that again, because it's going to be a distinct difference between Cain's offering and Abel's offering. And if you're not listening, you'll miss it. Or if you're not paying attention to the text, you'll miss it. Genesis 4, picking it up at verse 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. Pretty simple. Pretty understandable, right? Okay, here's the second part of that. Now, verse 4 says, And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Now, do you, do you see the noticeable differences in each? I'll give them to you and break them down here. Number one, Cain brought an offering, which is what he was supposed to do. But it just says he brought an offering to the Lord from the ground that, 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 he, that he wanted to offer God. He didn't pick from his best part. He just took something and said, okay, God, here it is. You want me to give you an offering? I'm going to give you an offering. Didn't probably didn't take much thought into it. Just, you know, basically, then, then you break it down into layman's term. You just grab something, threw it together, put a bow on it, and presented it to God. Here you go. Here you go, Lord, take this. And expected God to accept it. But Abel, on the other hand, chose the best of what he had Listen, listen to what it says in verse 4. Abel also brought up the firstlings of his flock. And then it says, it even goes a little further, and it said also the fat thereof. So he gave the, the best that he had and then added a little bit more on top of that. That's an example for us as believers to, to take, take heed to as it relates to when you sacrifice to God. You know, we... Give God this raggedy praise. We give God this raggedy prayer. We give God this um, raggedy worship. Uh, it's not pointing at anybody in particular. This is all of us. We've all made this mistake. But we got to do better. We cannot any longer 
give a holy and righteous God a how can I put this a masking tape type of praise amen in other words you can't just tape something together and expect God or put something together and expect God to accept it amen so I wanted to give that um, example of Cain and Abel because that's a good example actually of how to present a sacrifice to God now as it relates to the Old Testament, looking at how um, God set it up, there was the priest was the only one that was able to uh, sacrifice to God. Um, in the temple, you had the outer court. You had a section called the inner court. But then you had a place called the Holy of Holies. And this is where the presence of God dwelled. Um, if you go back and read Leviticus, um, just a little bit more in detail about how the sacrifices were to be presented to God. But it also uh, talks about in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant how the priest should have been. And just to give you a little, little history on that, when the priest went behind the veil, what they would do before he went in there, they would tie a rope around him. And if he had not presented himself to be sanctified, set apart, or holy when he went in the presence of God, he would probably drop dead. So what they did was, because they couldn't go in there physically and get him, they tied a rope around him. So if he did fall dead, they can just pull him out. This is how serious the sacrifices of God were at that time. And actually, I think... In the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, people looked at sacrifice a whole lot more reverent than they do now, which to me is, is even more crazy because here we have in the Old Testament a sacrifice made by dead animals. But Jesus Christ being a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, is a whole lot better. Now, for you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Romans. And we want to pick it up at, let's see, let's go to verse 12. Romans chapter 12, and I want to pick it up at verse number 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, listen to this, that you, me, all who profess to being believers in Christ, present your bodies as a half sacrifice? No. As a part-time sacrifice? No. As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Or what I like to say is, it's the least you can do seeing what God did for you. Amen? Alright, number two, or verse two says, and be not conformed to this world or um, to get a little bit more in depth in that, this world's uh, system of operation, meaning your mindset of what the world thinks outweighs what God's plan and purpose and his kingdom is. It says, be not conformed to this world and this world's operation, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, why does Paul 
say renewing of your mind because your mind needed to be renewed when you were in the world and you came out of the world because you were saved. The way that you were doing things before you came into a knowledge of God was based off of what the world wanted you to do it. Now that you're saved, you had to get your mind renewed, your thinking, the way that you did things, and the operation of how you governed yourself. So then you could be an effective kingdom citizen. I might do a teaching on the kingdom just to get some people abreast at what's going on with that. But the kingdom is why we are to serve God, how we are to share the gospel, because we want people to be kingdom citizens. Amen. Now, we know we live in a democracy, but in God's system of operation, it's a kingdom. It's different. Now, I'm not going to go into that, but I would have you do a little bit of homework. Look up what a democracy is and then look up how a kingdom is operated. And then when you find out the difference, go back and look at how God sets up everything. And you're going to see that the kingdom way is God's way. And the reason why he set it up that way is because he knew that there's one king. There's one governing ruler and not many different people that's telling others what to do. You listen to that king. When the king says something, that's what you do. But you see, it even gets deeper than that. When you're in a kingdom or you are a representative of the kingdom, wherever you go, that kingdom goes with you. Let me give you an example. If you are a representative from, just say, Africa or just say um, a, a city and you're visiting somewhere, somewhere else different. If you are representative of wherever it is that you're from, your kingdom, where you're from, travels with you because you are a representative of that particular kingdom. That's deep stuff, but I won't get into that right now. But I wanted to tell you that to show you that in these two verses in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, or as like I always say, um, it's the least that you can do and be not conformed to this world and its system of operation, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what is that? What, what, what is that talking about, Mr. Marcus? It's talking about God's perfect will for us is that we have our minds renewed, that we understand that our bodies should be a living sacrifice unto God, holy, doing things the right way. Serving God with everything we got. Why? It's because it's our reasonable service. Amen. All right. Moving on here. Now. Okay. So. Um, where do I want to move here? Okay. We just got through talking about um, the difference between Abel's sacrifice and Cain's sacrifice. Distinct differences, right? We've established that one didn't take the time to really give his best as opposed to the other 
giving his best and even giving a little bit more. And I just read Romans 12, 1 and 2, talking about surrendering our bodies as a living sacrifice. So let me hit on that for a minute. The living sacrifice part is the example of Jesus Christ when he gave his life for us. Because you have to also understand that we were enemies of God. We were actually enemies of God. And because of the fact that we were enemies of God, we were on a collision course to hell. Now you might say, that's not fair because we didn't know. Well, it doesn't matter. God is a holy and righteous God and he can do whatever he wanted to do. But if you notice, he didn't leave us in that state. He could have and he was in his right to do so, but he didn't. He said, OK, because I love them and I want them to return into right fellowship with me. The only way I'm going to be able to do this, still using my system of sacrifice, but in a different way, is to reinstate them through the blood of a perfect living sacrifice, which is my son, Jesus Christ. Ain't that awesome? Think about that. He gave his life in order that we could have life. Now, let me ask you this question, and we know what the Bible talks about on how who would give their life for their brother? Nobody would. Well, it might be somebody if they love them enough, but it's far in between. I'll just say that. But who willingly would put their life on the line for you like Jesus did? And we have the nerve to give him raggedy praise. We have the nerve to give him a half-hearted prayer. We have the audacity not to spend time in his word. And it's not to point the finger, but it's to say that we as believers must do a whole lot better. So my time is almost up, but I wanted to come briefly and just kind of give you a little bit on what sacrifice meant, how God's operation, um, how he set it up. But also be some examples on how we are supposed to sacrifice. And most importantly, the significance of what Jesus did for each of us on that cross. And his burial and his resurrection. Which now we are able ourselves to give him the proper sacrifice. Now, remember when I was talking about how the priest was the only one that could go behind the veil of the Holy of Holies and present a sacrifice? Well, Jesus canceled all of that. He's our high priest. He's the one that is able to present our sacrifices, our prayers to God. And matter of fact, he's at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding on our behalf. So he took it a, a step further than the priests that were back in the Old Testament. This is why you should, you should concentrate on what you're doing when you're praying. This is why you should pay attention when you're sacrificing anything to God. Your time, your talent, and yes, your money. Don't give God a half-hearted praise. Don't give God a half-hearted sacrifice. Give him your best. There's a song by a group that I love this song. It's called Forever, the, the group is called Forever Jones. And the name of the song is He Wants It All. Listen to that song. And it talks about how God wants all of you, not just part. And 
as I listen to that song, I'm always reminded that why would I even want to give God anything but all of me? But you believe that some people think that way, especially in the body of Christ. They want to have God as a, how can I say this, a spiritual Santa Claus. I'll praise you as long as you give me something. I'll give you glory as long as I get what I want. And I'll, and I'll, 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 I'll pray to you as long as you let me do what I want to do. Now, that's not how it works. So in closing, I want to say, fam, we got to do better. We got to do better. We're supposed to be representing Christ. And um, I'll close with this verse, Galatians 2 and 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who now lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, if you want to know why you should sacrifice, that verse will explain it perfectly. Because we are no longer our own. We've been, we've been bought with a price. And the price that we were bought with, we could never repay. The blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, having said that, I pray that something was said to make you even want to study more about sacrificing. Go back into the book of Leviticus and do your... Do your own due diligence and study and see how the sacrifices were set up. And it's, it's actually some good reading. But uh, I pray that this lesson was a blessing to you. And I want you all to continue to stay in your word, read your word, meditate on your word. Pray for this country. Pray for this nation. Pray for this world. We need the prayers of the saints like never before. And contrary to what people are telling you, this, this virus is not over. It's still among us, and actually this is starting to spike again. So we need you all to pray. And, and what I would close with this, please, and all you're getting, please get an understanding. Until next time, be blessed. Amen.